Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Yes. You want to see something cool? Okay. Okay. What am I holding in my hands? A school library journal magazine? Correct. Uh, The most recent school library journal magazine, which as of this recording is August 2023. I'm going to now open this magazine. Okay, I've opened it up. And as you can see, there's a whole recap. Hey, would you look at that? Oh, who's who's that you see? That's a picture of you and I. That's a picture of you and me in the August 2023. With my wrong last name. And my shirt making my belly look really big. But (laughs) there you go. Is it the wrong last name? Seriously? Yep, it says Kate Ramsey. Okay, we'll work on that one. But (laughs) in any case, uh, it is, though, the two of us. And it does talk about the podcast and advertise it widely to the many, many, many subscribers of the print magazine. Oh, that's great. Library Journal. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I also enjoyed it because there was a picture next to it of uh, Newbery Award winning author Jerry Craft also imitating the Jason Reynolds ah, yes. picture that they had prominently in their booth. So yeah, there we go. And then we're on the same page as Judy Bloom. So there you go. Wow. Basically, we just hang out with Judy Bloom. That's I don't like so to brag. Cool. But, uh, <laughs> and speaking of us, who is us, and what is this podcast? I am Kate Atienza. Oh, you're right. And I am Betsy Ramsey. Wait. No. No, uh, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not um, anymore. I'm Betsy Bird. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yep. Yeah. And this is Fuse 8 and Kate. Yeah. Yep. Where we talk about picture books, in fact. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And whether they're... Classic? Or... Not classic. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you go. Oh, you got that in one, buddy. So good. Thank you. Um, today, I'm doing one that I only came to because, okay, so I went to a Quaker college, correct? What were you going to say? It took you a long time I, to I, say that. I, I actually, literally, my brain went, Quaker, elementary school? No. Middle school? No. High school? No. I thought college? You, yes. It, your mouth looked like you were going to say boarding school, and I was like, what? <laughs> I have, you would not believe how many kids' books are set at Quaker boarding schools, so, in fact, <laughs> that may have been one of the choices I was trying to reject, yes. No, I went to a Quaker college, Kate. Went to a Quaker college, and I met, you know what I met there? People. Quakers. Oh. Quakers, Kate. Met More a lot specifically, of I guess. I met, well, they're also people, Kate. <laughs> Quakers are people. Quakers first, people second. <laughs> exactly. Quakers are people. Um, and the funny thing with Quakers, when you meet them, is that often they had the same picture books growing up. The book we're going to do is one that many a Quaker child grew up with. So this is our first Quaker book. Oh, not necessarily. Because it's also our first hippie book. Hippie children which overlap with Quaker children quite a lot, also were read this book quite a lot. Okay. Okay, so take your hippies, uh-huh. take your Quakers, uh-huh. give them children, uh-huh. intermingle them, Okay. and this is the book they were read. Okay. All right, you ready for this? Sure. Here we go. The Table Where Rich People Sit. By? Bird Baylor. Sure. Illustrated by... Peter Parnell. Correct. Yes, the table where rich people sit. 
inexplicably uh, published as late as 1994. So maybe my Quaker friends encountered this in middle school and high school. I have no idea. In any case, <laughs> this is when it came out. This is the book. Go read that book. Okay. Woohoo! While Kate does her read, let's talk a little bit about Bird Baylor. Now, to be fair, I'm not entirely certain why my Quaker friends latched onto Bird Baylor's books, but I suspect that much of her life inspired the content that they really loved so well. Bird Baylor Schweitzer, which was her official name for much of her life, was an American novelist. She was an essayist. She was the author of picture books for children. And four of her books achieved Caldecott honor status. Hmm? When she was a kid, she said of that time, I always knew I was going to be a writer. When I was a little kid, I was sending off poems to magazines and signing them Bird Baylor, age 36. So beginning in the 1980s, uh, Baylor, after writing many of the books that she's been famous for, including When Clay Sings in 1973, uh, The Desert is Theirs in 1976, Hawk, I'm Your Brother, 1977, and The Way to Start a Day in 1979, all of which got Caldecott honors. But after that time, in the 80s, she lived off the grid. In an adobe house, her friends helped her build on more than 35 acres of land southwest of Tucson. She did all of her writing, which included essays and other works uh, beyond her two dozen children's books on manual typewriters in a converted chicken coop studio. In the early 2000s, she began another humanitarian effort by joining forces with a group called No More Deaths by providing food and water to undocumented migrants from Mexico. She allowed the organization to create the Bird Camp on her property, and the camp has been running for more than 16 years, and it will continue to provide support as long as the group has permission from her grandson, Jesse Stanley, with whom she lived in Tucson since the 2010s. Hello. What a freaking brat. Wait, what? 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 With a capital B, Betsy. Wow. Did not did not see this reaction coming. Seriously? Blindsided over here. Blindsided. No, you're my not. Friend. Uh, I don't know. I feel like were you raised by hippy dippy parents? <laughs> no. Okay. If you had been raised by hippy dippy parents, wouldn't you want to know some practicalities about your day-to-day living situation? Oh, we're going to get into this. Okay, all right. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Well, first off, this book is a little weird because the text isn't in rows, it's in columns. Yeah, it's like a free verse picture park, basically. Yeah. But it's not. No, it's not. It's It's, not poetry. It's It's not. It's sentences in columns. This would be a choice on, I guess, the art designer's part i have no idea would it be the illustrator's choice would it be the author's unclear did she write it out like this that's the key question yeah i don't know i don't know it's interesting question to the editor first off the character the kid the narrator is Mm. this girl right who is upset because uh she thinks that her family is poor right and she even says you can't fool me we're poor would rich people sit at a table like this and right away, I'm like, okay, the narrator sounds like a brat who keeps just, she's constantly- Dude, if your parents aren't being honest about their economic situation to you and they're like giving you la di yeah. answers, I think it's legit to ask if you're poor. She's not asking. She's claiming. Well, there you go. I, I don't know. Because her parents won't give her the truth. She's like a poor Eloise. <laughs> 
but oh, just geez. as annoying. Wow. <laughs> That's a burn. That's a bad burn. Yeah. Man. All yeah. right, continue. Okay. So Back that up. She uh, she just constantly... She's just going wild, like driving people crazy? Is that what she's, she's doing? She's driving me crazy. Okay, well, you're the reader, so you don't count. All right. I should count. Mm. She's like, you know, this the table's fine. I'm just saying it didn't come from a furniture store. Right. Like, this kid looks like she's just started school, and she has fellow classmates who are like, "Um, I'm sorry, you don't have a, like a table from Crate and Barrel." She she doesn't look like she's going. She looks like she's you know maybe ten. Well, there you go. Then she's like giving it more time than that. She's clearly had enough time to be inoculated into other parts of the world, like her like friends' homes, and being like, "Oh crap." Doesn't look I like my own, and she's trying to work this I through in a practical so. I way. Think she, I think she's homeschooled because. Well, wait, but no, she's got to have some. System they live of in the middle of the desert. Now, if you're homeschooled, then you're clearly she would have no system comparison. There's no True. internet in 1994. How would she know what a table's supposed to look like? She has gone to other kids' homes. She's seen their homes, and she's come back home and been like, "Oh crap, we must be poor." There's no other explanation for why we look different. When it comes to our homes. She calls a meeting, a family meeting, uh, and says, I'm I'm the one who called the meeting, and the subject is money. And I say, we don't have enough of it. And I'm like, kid, if you don't think you have enough money, go get a job. Well, obviously <laughs> she knows she can't. She's a kid, and it's illegal for kids to have a job, so she thinks it's up to the parents. She could go clean homes for when she... That's she's... not her job. Her parents' job is to provide money for the household. She believes they, they haven't taken this to an account and it needs to be brought to their attention. To her standard. She has clothes on her back, food in her stomach, and a roof over her head. She is. I don't know, man. I mean, if you've grown up in a home without a lot of money, you've got the basics, but you don't have but anything see, can beyond I just, that. Can I just read say. you some of the things that she sure, says? Sure, go ahead. Okay. I tell my parents they should both get better jobs. It would help if you both had a little more ambition. <laughs> they think the only jobs worth having are jobs outdoors. What's wrong with having jobs outdoors? So she's a small Gordon Gecko who has grown up uh, in a capitalist society in spite of her parents' best efforts and now believes that they should have uh, high-powered jobs and hedge firms. It would help if you both had a little more ambition. I mean, she's not coming up with that. What herself. a patronizing she's picked that little up. brat! She's picked that up from somewhere. She got that from TV. She got that from the movie. She got that from other kids. She didn't get that on her own. She's... No one comes up with the phrase "you need to have a little more ambition" on their own. It's so rude. Oh, it's so rude. <laughs> she's trying to convince them to uh, work in an office, but working in an office isn't for everyone. What? What is wrong with the... Have you seen the vegetables that they are growing? Oh, they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. They're... You're just envious because that's a pumpkin. I do have pumpkin envy. You have pumpkin envy, yeah. However, it's not like they are going broke. It's not like no. they are starving. I'm just saying, she... when you like go to like all these other kids' fancy homes and junk, and then you see your own, you may be like, there must be wrong, something wrong with my family, which this book explains to her is not the case. The whole point is that you have to start her out in the wrong in order to bring him to the right, right? Uh, <laughs> That's how books work. Not this one. <laughs> so the mother is explaining uh, to, she calls the girl Mountain Girl, that like, okay, you want to you want to be the bookkeeper here? Great. Let's get you a piece of paper and a pencil, and we will write down just how much money we have. I okay? love it. They're monetizing experience. This is the most capitalist book of all time. 
So first they explained that she was, uh, she get, she got the name mountain girl because she was born in a cabin, uh, on the side of a mountain. Then it says, they say it was the most magical place, the most beautiful mountain they ever climbed. Maybe it was, but you know how these two exaggerate. And I'm like, (laughs) I am not on your side. So stop acting like I am. I don't know if you if your parents named you Mountain Girl, I think you're allowed no, no, no. to. Like... No, no, it says that that's not her name. Oh, they just but that's call, what they, they call her. All the time. It's just like yeah, her yeah. nickname. All right, but then it says <laughs> there's a bit of honesty to this book. Anyway, they wanted my first sight to be that mountainside, so they held me up outdoors at sunrise. Oh God, I'm just getting birth and just when I was just about eight minutes old. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. So mom gives birth and she's like, I'm up. I'm up! <laughs> She's not only standing, she is lifting her child over right. her head to this see important. to see the sunrise. Oh my god. I gave birth and I was like, eight minutes later, I was not being like, standing up time! I was more like, why are my legs still numb? Oh right, because I took drugs so that I can't feel them anymore. Well, okay, presumably yeah. she did not take oh, drugs. Oh, most certainly there was some lemmas going on in this case. Yes, you're right. Yeah. But yeah I, yeah, I was just very impressed that in eight minutes, she... Eight minutes, uh, she's like, Upsy-daisy, legs. Here we go. She cut the cord, put her child in a blanket. This is her first kid, too. It's not like she's had 10 of them or anything. She's just like, this is my first child. Woohoo! And then we get to the page where they say, well, and my little brother, they call him Ocean Boy because they wanted to show him as his first sight, the most beautiful waves and where the ocean touches the jungle. And I haven't really addressed the illustrations. Um, Yeah, why don't you address those things? So they're done in what looks like pen with... And then with select colored markers, it's it's a bit color blocked and yeah. and and yet it's a little surreal while still being realistic. I'm not really quite sure how to describe oh, it. Oh, I have a way of describing it. Um, <laughs> there was a Kirkus review of this book. It was somewhat cruel. It said, uh, "Good." Okay, well here's what it said. It said Baylor's story can be clumsy, even ham-handed, but the message is immediate. More problematic are the illustrations. Peter Max-like psychedelia meets outdoor life in a fusion that crashes and burns. <laughs> like, oh wow, I would take, I would Everybody's take... dumping on this poor book today. Wait, wait, so the first part was psychedelic... Psychod... Oh, so it's Peter Max. You ever seen Peter Max? He did, like, Yellow Submarine, Beatles-type. Okay. Sorry, right, okay, so so Peter Max-like psychedelia meets outdoor life. This is capitalized. I don't know what they... I think maybe it's... they mean the magazine... In a fusion that crashes and burns. I mean, it is cruel. Nature plus psychedelic plus. Yeah, it's psychedelic, mate. But this is I mean, hippy I was going dippy with... dippy dippiness. It's hippy bit. dippy fut- it, it nature love, which is fine for the time. Well, it's 1994, so it's a little late in the day, but still. So the parents are like, well, not so fast, you know. Let's let's before you know we start talking about numbers. Let's let's think of a few things. And the kid's like, well, what kind of things? And she's like, the mother explains, well, we don't take our pay in cash. You know, we have a special plan to get paid in sunsets and in hiking time. You know, I'm sorry. If I was a kid, this would drive me absolutely mad. Well, the kid <laughs> says, can't you give me one single number to write down on this paper? And I'm like, oh, this kid's going to be an accountant. <laughs> I don't know, a financial manager. And she's going, you know whose who's finances she's going to have to manage? Her parents, because they have not planned for retirement. She's going to be handling every penny of their retirement when she's an adult because they have not planned for anything. This retirement didn't kid. exist in 1994, Betsy. <laughs> what? I'm kidding, what? I'm kidding. Oh my so Lord. So she starts by writing down 
twenty thousand dollars. Now, just so you know, the For what? It just says so. We start with twenty thousand dollars. Well, they don't have that, but sure, okay. Well, they might. We don't know that. Uh, so it says, just so you know, twenty thousand dollars in nineteen ninety four is equivalent uh, to about forty one thousand ish dollars today. Okay, and then. Sure. Uh, the father says, you know, well, that's that, that $20,000 is, uh, how much it says, that's how much my father says it's worth to him to work outdoors where he can see the sky all day and feel the wind and smell rain an hour before it's really raining. What work is this that they're not making money on? Uh, they're growing weed, Betsy. They're okay. <laughs> you make good money from that. I right? don't know, right? They, they so, make $20,000. Yeah. All right, well, that's fair. Okay, I, I get it now. Okay, okay yeah. right. But then it says... Uh, <laughs> they are in Colorado. I see a lot of mountains. Okay. Okay. Uh, he says it's worth that much to be where, if he feels like singing, he can sing out loud and no one will mind. So I have just written down 20000 when my mother says, well, you better make it 30000 because it's worth at least another 10 to hear coyotes howling in the hills. Just so you know, 30K back then, 61K now. It's okay. I love that we're keeping track. Okay, oh, I am. Yep. And then they add another 5,000 uh, for uh, mountain shadows. Uh, that is way too high for mountain shadows, but all right. So I think they're like 35K. really inflating uh, the numbers here. Inflation but all right. existed. So 35k back then, 72k now. All right. Shadows? Yes. You get shadows anywhere anyway. <laughs> and then uh, the father mentions, oh, when a cactus blooms, you really got to be there to see the color because you won't see it any other day of your life. So that's probably worth what? The brother is, they, she has a little brother and the little brother's like 50 cents and they decide on 5,000. So, okay. <laughs> So that's now, now they're up to 40,000, which is about 82K our mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and just, I, this is the point where I started thinking, okay, tattoos. I haven't had, oh, right, I yeah. haven't had a Kate tattoo right, in a while, yeah. mm -hmm. but now I have competing tattoos. Ooh, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell so me. it's either going to be the, the, there's just like this beautiful pair of eyes in front I do of, love that. In front of a cactus yeah. starting to bloom. Yeah, that's pretty which cool. Which is gorgeous, but... If you flip the page, you get a beautiful illustration Ooh. of all these different birds. Yeah. You have a raven, a hawk, and an owl all together. Oh, way more than that. You've got some little quails down here. You've got something like flying in the sky up here. There's a bunch of the, stuff working. The, yeah, there's white winged doves. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's eagles. It's a complex combo and, image. Yeah. Yeah, but I just like all the birds together. I thought yeah. that was really good, especially the owl. The owl yeah, the was, owl's very nicely done. Yeah. So anyway, so those are my competing uh, tattoos of this Yeah, book. that would be a hard call. Yeah, it depends on mm. how much space on the well, body I want to take up. Well, where you want to have it. Yeah, like a wrist versus a back. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I forgot to mention that they added uh, some more money because of the bird sounds that the dad likes to do. So now they're up to 50K, which is about 103-ish K in today's money. Pretty sure you can do bird sounds anywhere, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can be in an office and go to the bathroom and make bird sounds. It's not going to cost you anything. And then they start getting into, like, well, how much is each of us worth and i'm like oh so I, but now that we're getting into like uh how much is a soul like worth? life insurance yeah so yes yeah this is what a life insurance would yeah be so into. they're yeah. all worth about a million bucks that's what the girl's gonna go into life insurance oh this is what her training is yeah. yep so the, so they're up to four million fifty thousand dollars wow they are they are really up in the rates but okay sure well you don't think that they're worth a million each 
I mean, I don't know these people, so I can't. I say did not look up what a million and ninety four is is worth it'd today. Be a, it'd but... be a pretty penny. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, by the end, it says, to tell the truth, you know, they, they hadn't gotten to the actual counting of cash. But the girl's like, it doesn't really seem to matter. So I called, you know, the meeting is done. And then I'm sitting around the table with, you know, one cookie left on my mother's one good plate. And I'm writing this book. <laughs> and I think I'm going to call this book The Table Where Rich People Sit. Because we're all rich in our hearts. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh my god! You start out being so mad at her for rejecting all this, and then by the time she accepts it, you're just like, "How dare she? She sounds." Oh, so we have ratings good. time. Yeah, we're totally okay. ratings time. Am I supposed to like her by the end of the book? Because I sure don't. I think you're supposed to identify with her. Oh, oh, we're supposed to think that she doesn't care about money anymore. No, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. I think we're supposed to think that she's briefly forgotten it for five seconds after their you know, heartfelt defense. Yeah, I but... get what the parents are trying to teach their kid, right. that worth isn't always in dollars, right. but in your personal happiness mm. and being. But I guarantee that this isn't the last time this kid brings up money. Well, I'm just wondering where the health insurance is coming in from, quite frankly. Well, they didn't I'm talk like, about yeah. the actual cash. Yeah, no, of course they didn't talk about that because apparently they just grow weed on their land. So, yeah. Well, yeah, among mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. So, granted, mm. the nature illustrations are cool, but... I tell my parents they should both get better jobs. It would help if you both had a little more ambition. No, I, I am not calling this classic a classic book because I hate this brat so freaking oh my God. much. You are identifying with her and rejecting her simultaneously. I'm not identifying with her at all. Really? No. You don't think she has any point? No. At all with they, her parents' lack of jobs. They have... Jobs. Her, Do they? It just it says, I'm not seeing any it evidence says of that. in the book that her father works outside. Yeah. What is his work exactly? Is it just Betsy, taking walks? When because you that's were, what it sounds like. When you were nine years old, could you say what dad's job was? I don't know, but it brought a paycheck and health insurance. I didn't know that much. I could not identify. He worked in a bank. That's what we always said. Yeah. We had yeah. no idea what he no, did. No, but he didn't walk around outside all day. I'm calling this a 4.5 only because I like the nature illustrations. No, all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and for my part, I'm actually not going much higher than a five. Quite frankly, um, because I do feel like eh, eh, you know I defended her so much. And oh, you can't, I, heck yeah! And you can't go above. But that's a five. not my objection to it. My objection to the book is not her objection, which I feel she has a legitimate claim on her objections. My objection is their answers to her claims. They're not. This they, is my. They okay. are not going to be discussing finances no, with their no, nine-year-old no, 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 no. daughter. But here's the thing: this is a book very similar in my mind to Last Stop on Market Street. All right, this is the first picture book to ever win a Newbery Award. And in that book, a boy is with his grandmother and he keeps saying, Grandma, how come we take the bus instead of taking a car? And how come this or that? And she never says, well, we're of a different economic strata and we can't afford these things. She's always like, we take the bus to meet other people. She gives him these la-di-da answers. And this is what the parents are doing. They're not answering her in a... I believe in treating children as people with brains that can take information as long as you make it child-friendly. And these people are making up la die answers for serious questions. How come you guys don't have jobs? Okay. They have let's jobs. Explain it. Do they? That's because it. I've heard no evidence that they literally are making any money at all. It says that he works outside. Yeah. In what way? Does he own a junkyard? Does he, like, grow wheat? Like, what is he doing to make money? If he has a job... He should say what his job is. That is not a hard thing to tell your kid. 
Maybe he has, and she doesn't like it because it's not in an office. Uh, I don't care. I want to hear what that job is. And the book never says, and I find that highly suspicious. And their answers do not give me faith that they are being honest with their daughter. So for their uh, dishonesty with their own daughter, I am making this a five. Okay. Because they should be more honest with their own kid. Well, with our scores combined, it is... Below a five. For completely yeah. different reasons. We both think Which it is sucks. fantastic. But I love that we have checked for it so vociferously, <laughs> so differently. And this is why people <laughs> should listen to the podcast. Hooray! Speaking of which, letters time. Ooh. All right, let's talk to people who enjoy this podcast very much. We've never written in before because we've got two of them today. Oh, I'm nice. very excited about this. Uh, first and foremost, we have Marsha. Hello, Marsha. Uh, I have to warn you, Marsha is complimenting me first, so... Um, <laughs> We're just going to do that. I'm so excited to be reading aloud Long Road to the Circus to my seven-year-old granddaughter in a couple of weeks. Oh, that is... That's, that's your book. That is my book that's that okay. I wrote. That's a middle When I write a book, then she'll, she could read that one. Well, absolutely. <laughs> uh, she's more of a nonfiction science gal, but I think she'll love this. And I know you have the same sense of humor as she does. I listened to so many of your podcasts as I walked miles and miles during the pandemic. Thank you for what you do for folks like me. I'm a Grammy with six grandkids, and I'm trying to help indoctrinate in the love of reading. Your recommendations help keep me poor in the pocketbook and rich in what I FaceTime read them or in person read them whenever I visit. Thanks again. P.S. I love the irreverence you and your sister have in the back and forth of the podcast. It Uh makes me chuckle as I walk. I'm so glad because you're getting all earful this time. (laughs) All right, so that was Marsha. Thank you, Marsha. That was that was delightful. Uh, the next is from Peter. Peter actually has a podcast of his own with another librarian. It's called uh, Choose Your Own Book Club, where they read through all the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is pretty cool. He says, hello. Just recently started listening and liked the Danny and the Dinosaur episode. Like that you talked about the reality and horror of having a dinosaur just walking around. <laughs> I'm sure you heard of the movie Blood and Honey which was the Winnie the Pooh horror movie that everyone was talking about for a bit. Yay, public domain. Anyway, your episode got me thinking of what else would make a great and unnecessary children's book slash horror movie crossover. What would you all like to see? For example, I think a Westing game horror movie might be cool. It already has an and then there were a nun vibe, so it would be cool if a movie needlessly leaned into that. Thanks. Okay, so that's our question. Which of the picture books we've done on this podcast? Would make the bo- mo- the best um, horror crossover. I have two. I have okay, give me them. The Grey Lady and the Strawberry Snatcher. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, that's not. You don't even have to really stretch that hard. Yeah. For that one to be horror. And the yeah. Rainbow Goblins. Oh, Rainbow Goblins! Heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mine are a little more um, classic things that don't have an overt horror sensibility right from the start. Um, I have four. Love you forever, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, right there with yep. the with the yep. extension ladder on uh-huh. the roof of the car. Exactly. Runaway bunny about the bunny trying to run away from the mom constantly and being chased constantly. Oh, good that night could, moon with the ghost. Good night moon with the ghost would be a good. Con- I mean, honestly, you could pair the two together. I think they would. That'd be a work double together. feature. It'd be a double. Well, or yeah, you know, like a science fiction double feature. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, Giving Tree. Yeah, that's a horror movie straight up. Yep. And uh, Revenge of the Giving Tree. You can see it right away. <laughs> And uh, Rainbow Fish, where you're ripping your own scales off your body to give to people to make them like you. You're all bloody. You're all bloody. Yeah. You've one shiny scale left because it's all, but at least everyone loves you now. Okay. That's just horror, my baby. Well, and then uh, 
Peter mentioned uh, the book that we did, Danny, Danny and the Dinosaur. Danny and the Dinosaur, yeah. Well, and I put out on Instagram, I had asked people, what kind of dinosaur do you think the oh, dinosaur yeah, yeah, yeah. is? And uh, our mother, um, Aisha Sumner, and Madeline Claire LT, all on uh, Instagram said Brontosaurus. Mm. Barney Salzberg said, that's an old illustration. <laughs> Illustratosaurus, <laughs> commonly drawn by picture book illustrators. <laughs> Thank you, Barney. And then uh, Loralee One said, "Whatever kind Littlefoot was in Land Before Time, oh, yeah. I want to say long neck, but I think I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I think that's probably scientifically accurate. I believe that was a long neck. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, excellent. Uh, grown up things we like. So this is the most non hippie, non Quaker recommendation oh, wow. I right. can think of. Uh, so last week I did something very traditionally feminine, mm. and this week I'm changing it around. Peacock came out with a TV series based on the video game Twisted Metal, which is a series of vehicular combat video games. Sure. So Twisted Metal, it's a demolition derby that emphasizes the usage of ballistic projectiles, machine guns, mines, and other types of weapons. The TV show can definitely feel like a video game at times, but... As the show progresses, it, it gets heart. Um, it's a nice mixture of nostalgia with like early 2000s music and humor. And it stars Anthony Mackie, um, which we all know as the Falcon. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice, who was the voice of Mirabelle in Encanto. Oh, yeah. She was also in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. uh, Will Arnett and Ooh. Nev Campbell. It is what? so... <laughs> It's so not friend the kid friendly. Uh, keep your kids far, far away from but it. But it's got Will Arnett. It, yeah, yeah. He voices a killer clown. Oh, okay, <laughs> yep. okay. Uh, but if he you did want, do BoJack Horseman back in the day. Yeah. All right. But if you want entertaining, bloody, funny, violent, um, check out Twisted Metal on Peacock. You don't have to know the video game to enjoy the show. Uh, it is quite entertaining. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Mine's very adult too, though. I mean, in a sense. Um, so Drawn and Quarterly is a publisher of adult comics that I greatly admire. And they're going to be producing, they do collections of, of certain comics uh, and comic artists. They're going to be doing a collection uh, called Forces of Nature by Ed Steed. Now, Ed Steed is published most of his comics in The New Yorker. And of all the cartoonists working today, he's the one I admire the most. Because when I read one of his comics, I cannot figure out how a human brain could create the work that he creates. It is that level of weird. October 15th of 2024, keep an eye out for Forces of Nature by Ed Steed because that's when that thing's coming out and uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. You know what to get me for Christmas of 2024 now. Great. Yeah. Okay. I'm just letting you plan ahead, baby. That's all it is to it. I appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, this has been an entertaining one. Indeed. I had no idea when I brought this. I thought it was so innocuous that we wouldn't even have anything to talk about. So, uh, shows what I know. Yeah. I gotta bring more hippy-dippy picture books in here. We get all sorts of talks coming up. (laughs) And until I find any more hippy-dippy picture books coming up, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number eight, Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. 
or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Drew Bird is Drew Atienza. Views 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.